Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to thank you guys for being a part of Grape Top family today. And today we are starting a new series called Voices. Look at your neighbor and say Voices. Anyone here hear voices sometimes? Ever think that you're crazy one, one day or another? And even in my process of getting my life to Christ, I actually thought I was developing schizophrenia because I kept hearing all these voices I've never heard before. And y'all are probably looking at me like, okay, maybe he does. Have <laughs> maybe he does. But I was hearing so many uh, questions in my heart, in my mind, and and eventually, I started to realize that some of those voices were God. Some of them were my, were my conscience. Some of them were probably the devil. But th- we have so many voices. And even in the process of finding, uh, finding a church and finding, um, finding a relationship with God, I realized there's also a lot of outside voices, a lot of voices in this world that, that say one thing, that say another. And... Today, our title is going to be Sandcastles, Sandcastles, and I want to open up with the question, can you clearly distinguish from what's true and false? Let me ask that again. Can you clearly distinguish from what is true and what is false? I think everyone here likes to uh, imagine that they can. Have you ever believed something so strongly that you realized wasn't true? Anyone here ever misplaced their keys? And you lose your keys and you start looking everywhere. Maybe if you're really strong in your beliefs, you start accusing other people of taking your keys. You start saying, where did you put my keys? I know that you took my keys. I always leave them right here on the key rack. I know that you took them. And you believe it so strongly that you left them right there. And you know Deep down in your heart that someone misplaced them, that you did not, somebody else did. And you go around accusing everybody else because you believe this truth so well. And then you just, just go check. And you look in your pants pocket from the day before and there are your keys. Anyone? See, that's a, that's, a common, that's a common simple example of what it's like when we believe a truth that ends up not being reality. We believe a truth that's actually false. That I want to share this verse, these verses in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. This is Jesus talking. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Someone say sandcastles. See, a lot of times when it comes to belief in people's lives, we make up this imaginary castle. You ever built a sandcastle? I love building sandcastles with kids because it, they have so much imagination. The last time I built a sandcastle, 
It's very difficult. And so we named the castle and the whole land of the palace Collapsia. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was so, it's so aggravating sometimes because you spend so much work building this castle. And all of a sudden, whether it's a wave or whether it's just the structure becomes so too weak to where it just collapses, it just falls right under itself. And I've had so many conversations with people where there are so many different beliefs to where it's like everyone takes a little bit from every religion and form this sandcastle of a religion. The last time I spoke to somebody, they told me that they don't believe in any religions at all, that they, they believe that all religions are wrong, but that what they believe about religions is right. I was like, well, that's kind of... You don't see how that's kind of psychotic? <laughs> I said, well, what do you base your beliefs on? Well, just what I see and what I experience. I said, well, that's a really limited uh, source of knowledge. And so many times we, we, we hear things and we take things that are belief systems from all over the place. And we try to form this, this Frankenstein or this sandcastle that's just going to collapse one day. I mean, have you ever heard the term knock on wood? Anyone use that term recently? Did you know that that's a, a pagan, uh, old school pagan term? What, what, uh, it was this old pagan worship in Germany where they believed that the gods lived in trees and that these gods uh, wanted destruction for you, that they didn't want anything good to happen to you. And if you were to say something good about your life, that they would do everything in their power to make it, uh, befall you to turn into negative. And so the way that you get these gods to not eavesdrop on good things happening to you is you knock on a tree because it irritates them and so they leave somewhere else. And see, even today, we use this, this idea, this false belief system, and we, we still use it today as just common language. I mean, the, I don't know how many times when I've been uh, in youth ministry where kids are, even when we, we talk about uh, uh, being born, a born-again Christian, when we talk about resurrection, uh, Jesus resurrecting, and kids ask, oh, is that like, uh, is that like uh, where you're born into another animal, reincarnation? And, and so many people, they, they mix like Hinduism and Buddhism, like, oh, that's karma. That, that's this, that's that. And we mix all these different sayings when, when the Bible is showing us like, no, this, like the Bible is trying to show us this foundational tool that we can use. I believe that all religions pick and choose and stem away from, from the Bible. Even the idea of karma is the idea of, of uh, sowing and reaping. The, the idea of, uh, of reincarnation is the idea of resurrection, of us an eternal life, being born again. But... We, we really got to zero in on what our faith is. If we were to call ourselves Christians, why, why do we call ourselves Christians? Because of our faith in Jesus rising from the dead. Because of our faith in what the Bible says. And so think about what Christianity is. It's a lifestyle. It, it's not just a, 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 a hell insurance. It's where we're just like, well, I'm going to just be a Christian because I don't want to go to hell. 
No, it's a, it's a lifestyle that we want to put our faith, our trust, our belief into. And so if, we're, if we have this idea that hell is real, that heaven is real, that eternity is real, that eternity is much more longer than uh, the, our lifetime here, that means that we, we are putting all of our eggs in this basket, all of our hope in, in this Jesus. And we have no idea what the Bible says. We only know what people have told us. We, we have such a, a narrow doorway for the word of God's voice to be entered into our lives. There, so many times we just hear some scriptures on Sunday morning. And it's, it's a, a, a person, a human telling you them rather than you reading them yourself. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And again, this is the most important book of our lives if we really believe in heaven and hell. If we're really going to put all of our trust in this, shouldn't it be something that we read it? Y'all dig that? I mean, I had a, a hard time putting together my, my baby's crib. I had to read the instruction manual a couple times because I was worried, what if I misplace something or do something incorrect and it, it hinders the, the structure of this. To rem- what, what if the whole thing just collapses and my baby's in it? You know, that, that's, a, that's something that I want to read to make sure I got it right a couple times. And, and yet the Bible, we're talking about eternity, and we don't even read it once. We, don't even, we, we just like the coffee cup messages, right? As long as it's something I want to hear in the morning on my coffee mug, then I'll listen to it. I've heard so many people tell me, I don't like to read uh, the book of Proverbs or I don't like to read the book of Revelation because it intimidates me. I I don't like what it says sometimes. Do y'all not see how that's crazy talk? Someone say alive and powerful. I I want us to understand what the Bible is. See, the Bible is a neglected foundation but it's necessary for every good and spiritual work in our lives. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, this scripture is so powerful because it uses a lot of absolutes. Absolutes are like always, never, all, nothing. Those are things that it's like, it's either black or white. It's either a hundred or zero. There's no gray area. And it's saying that all scripture is inspired by God. Even Revelation, even Ecclesiastes, even Proverbs, Even the Old Testament. Some people only like to read the New Testament. The Old Testament is Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful. And I don't know how many times that I I was confused about whether something was right or wrong. Because don't you agree that the longer you're a Christian, the more complicated choices become? It... It, it be, your life just is so much more complicated than uh, don't do this and don't, or do that. It, and you have to really understand the wisdom of God to, and, and just read it. And it, it does something so powerful and so good in your life. 
And it makes decisions so much easier when you readily have scripture on your mind. I don't know how many times where a a situation happened and I had a proverb flash through my mind to where I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't have to ask anyone about it because it's like, oh, the Bible tells me about this. It warns me against this. Another thing is the Bible is not just a book of text. It's not just words. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's kind of like a ooga booga verse, right? It's like really serious. And notice how it gives distinction that cuts between our souls and our spirits. Have you ever heard a scripture before? And you're like, dang, I felt that. It cuts deep. And notice how it goes from a spiritual sense and then it even goes into a physical sense where it says it cuts between our joint and our marrow. What, what, it's, what it's exemplifying is that the word of God is so powerful that even just speaking it out loud can change things in your life. I mean, think about Genesis. It says that God spoke the world into existence. When Jesus teaches us to pray, it says when, he, when we pray, things happen. That we can move mountains with our prayers. Think about that. And what is it? It's speaking the word of God out. It's praying for the word of God to happen. When Elisha prayed for rain to stop over Israel, it stopped for over three years. And he was praying for God's prophecy to be fulfilled. He's praying for the word of God to be established on earth. Just like it says, you, you said it, I want it to, I want to see it on earth. And then when he prayed for it to rain again, it rained. See, the, the word of God is something so powerful that it changes uh, spiritual things and it changes physical things. And one, one thing I want everyone to get real quick is that it's alive. It's alive. And, and I want you to, to really grasp this because this is probably the most important part about Scripture that I want you to understand before we move on to anything else. Is that the Word of God is alive. What that means is, as an example, if you ever read one Scripture one day and then years later read that same Scripture again, and it means something completely different to you. Anyone ever have that experience? And see, that, that's a small example of how it's alive. But another way is that the, the word of God is so powerful that if you're just reading it mindlessly. Anyone here ever do a, a Bible, like you do a Bible challenge where you have a reading plan and you want to read through the Bible. You want to read through a book and all of a sudden it gets kind of difficult. You're trying to read through it and you're like, oh man, I'm like, I don't even know what I just read. And, and so many times I hear people that start a reading plan, but the minute that it becomes difficult, the minute that they feel like they're zoning out in their readings, they, they stop reading as much and they start, go back to just reading like a verse at a time. I'm going to just read a verse a day and I'm just going to marinate on that little bit of scripture I took in. Uh, it's a good idea. It's like the idea of, well, I want the quality of Scripture more than the quantity. Well, the great thing about the Word of God is that it's alive. And so even if you were to mindlessly read it, it, it it's like if you were to just not say if you were to just have it in background noise. 
And you have the word of God playing in your room, even if you're just doing chores around the house. You, you might not even be consciously thinking about what exactly it's saying, the context, the depth. But the word of God is getting in your spirit. Said, the Bible says that by hearing comes faith. And it just becomes imparted into your spirit just by listening. And you could have it a moment where months later, years later, that scripture comes to your heart. That scripture comes to your mind out of nowhere because it was just imparted to you. And it is so alive and it is so powerful that it, it doesn't need you to foster it to do a work in your life. Y'all dig what I'm saying? That just listening to it, just, just reading it mindlessly is powerful. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you're not on a reading plan, we, we have a reading plan for our church. We're reading through the, the whole Bible in one year. We're already halfway through the year almost, but just jump on the plan because just having a daily reading of scripture is a powerful discipline for your life. It's a powerful devotion. And if you do that, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to just create such a, it's going to foster such a, a better understanding and better passion of scripture in you. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so scripture is alive. It's powerful. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to drink scripture out of a water hose or a water fountain. You can drink out of it from a fountain, from a, a fire hydrant, and it's going to do something in your life. Y'all feel me? And so now that we have an understanding of Scripture being a foundation, how important it is for us as Christians to understand Scripture. Even in 2 Peter, that Peter says, always give account to why you believe what you believe. The best way to do that is no simple Scripture. And so now I want, I want us to go on to our next point, which is trust is a stranger. Trust is a stranger. How many of you think that you need to, people need to earn your trust? It's what we've been taught, right? Got to earn our trust. Especially how difficult it is to trust people, especially in spiritual leadership positions. With all the crazy things that have happened over the years, isn't it difficult to trust a spiritual leader? I, I talk to people all the time, even, especially when I would drive for Uber and Lyft. I always am talking about, about church, God, and not in a, you know, a Bible bashing way. I just ask people, so what are your thoughts about this or that? What, what have you experienced? And so many people tell me about how they've been hurt by church. So many people tell me that they've been hurt by pastors, by leaders. And the, it's like the number one thing that I hear of why people don't want to go back to church. Y'all ever heard that before? And all the crazy thing that's happened over the years. I mean, so many pastors that have like these crazy immoral failures. It's like, dang, I was listening to that guy. And it's made the world pretty critical of pastors, especially mega churches, right? I mean, I don't, I feel like even if I say Joel Olstein, most people are like, oh, I hate that guy. It's like, what did he do to you? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done anything wrong yet. We're just ready to kill him. It's because we're so used to mega pastors be these evil, conniving people, but they're not. That's just the impression that we get. And the reason that it, it's so hard to trust is because of the history, but it, it's true that we shouldn't just trust anyone. 
And, and it, I want to take this time to say two things. One, you have to trust some spiritual leaders. And two, you don't have to trust every spiritual leader. You know, one of the most confusing things that you can do when it comes to listening to voices is just shotgun approach a whole bunch of different pastors and, and speakers. I'll, I'll be frank with you guys. I'm a, a public speaker, right? I'm a pastor. And I, I, put, my, I put our stuff on podcasts. Everybody else is, uh, does podcasts too. Everybody can put anything they want out there. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because anyone can say anything and you have no idea what they really know. You have no idea what their real motive is. You have no idea what, what they're really trying to say. And even just the different doctrinal beliefs. Think about that for a second. How many denominations are there, right? How many different uh, uh, paths to Jesus can we find just in the Christian religion? And it's the same book, and yet there's so many different ideas about it. There's some scriptures that are just black and white, so simple, straight to the point. And there's other scriptures that are just honestly gray to where you could look at it and you could take it this way or that way. And both could be correct. That's the funny thing about gray, the word gray. You could spell it with an A or an E, but both ways are correct. And there are some scriptures where legit, that's the way it's like. And even Paul says, some people eat meat and believe they're doing a service to, that they're just being grateful to God, while other people refuse to eat any kind of meat and they're doing it to honor God, but both are correct. And see, that's, it, it's just showing that Scripture is so, so potent that, and it always just points to glory to God. But looking at this idea that being so many different doctrinal beliefs, if if you've ever experienced yourself where you've gone to one church or you listen to one person and then you hear somebody else say something contrary, it can be confusing, can't it? Anyone ever have that experience? Where someone says, oh, we believe in, in the Holy Spirit and that every believer should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then you hear somebody else say, oh, well, we believe that there is one universal baptism at Pentecost and that every, all the world is baptized with the Holy Spirit now. And so you don't need an individual baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, that's a, that's, those are two huge doctrinal differences from the same scriptures. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And th there's so much more, so many more uh, points in, in doctrine that can be confusing. Even just the idea of what's most common right now, like gay marriage. There's some, some people who are saying... Oh, this is, this is the, the worst thing ever you could ever do. We're, we're completely tearing apart the word of God. And then there's others that say, no, this is the grace of God. We're free from the law. And, and both sides are using scriptures that are completely different. Y'all dig what I'm saying? How confusing is it when we're just listening to whoever is, is, we're, uh, whoever is willing to talk? You have to start becoming... You have to start becoming a little more reserved in what voices you listen to. An example of this is in the book of Acts. Paul is going around and he's teaching and preaching Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that through grace, 
through our belief in him that we are saved by faith in him alone, not by any works that we do. And then there are some other believers that said, yeah, we believe that, but we believe that you still have to be circumcised. And so every male that comes to the faith, they have to be circumcised. And once they do that, every, it's, it's faith with works. It's grace with works. And so, yeah, we're saved alone in Jesus, but you have to be circumcised. And see, that's a completely different thought that Paul was, Paul was teaching. And it was such a, a confusing argument that they were making that Paul's uh, friends that were going on missionary journeys with him, winning all these people to Christ, starting churches, that some of them were literally so confused that they left Paul altogether and just quit. And that, that's from them just listening to any, any voice that came about. You understand how dangerous it is to just listen to anybody? Y'all dig that? And so now the, the other side of that coin is that you have to find some that you trust. I'm not telling you that you can only listen to grave top messages. I'm telling you that you should be a little more curt, a little more, uh, a little, do a little more research in who you listen to. Y'all feel me? And whoever you do listen to, there's something that you, you, you need in order to receive what they're saying. And that's trust. I, I've had so many circumstances uh, happen ever since I became a pastor, since I've been a leader. And it, there's so many times where I, I was trying to help somebody or I was trying to lead somebody in scripture. And there's times where there, there's just like, no matter what I would do, I couldn't get any headway. And they would feel hurt and I would feel hurt, but neither one of us wanted to hurt each other. And what I've realized is that it's as simple as people just would, if you want to be at this church, you just have to trust me to be your pastor. And if you don't feel like you can trust me to be that, then you need to go to a church that you can trust that person to be that. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Because how could I ever possibly speak into your life or edify you in your faith or, or, or bring you to a deeper place in God if you don't trust me to do that? Because church isn't a lone ranger place. Y'all dig that? In, in the same way, when you listen to podcasts and messages, you, you have to have a level of trust for that person to be able to listen to it. If, they, if uh, there's musicians where I can't even listen to the, the songs I used to, to listen to for worship. Because I know that they had a crazy adultery, uh, adulterous affair. And I like feel disturbed even just trying to worship to the same song I used to now because I don't trust that person leading worship. Y'all dig that? In the same way, it's for pastors, preachers, leaders, etc. that there, there should be a, a mild trust given that we should extend. But when people do something or have something that, that deserves us to take away some of that trust, it, we don't have to always give it to everybody. Y'all feel me? But we do have to give it to somebody. And again, trust is so strange nowadays. And it feels weird to trust a pastor in that way. 
It feels weird to, to trust somebody to speak into your life, to, to be so transparent, to be so open to where you would say, do you think that this is a good idea for me? I mean, isn't that uncomfortable? You know, I, I'll give an example for me. I, I really, I probably trusted like overextended trust. But even when I was dating my wife, I asked my senior pastor for his blessing to just go out and date. I'm not telling you guys I want y'all to do that. <laughs> but I was so like, uh, I just was so ready to receive that the affirmation to receive the direction from the senior pastor because I believe so wholeheartedly that he would hear from God and that he might see something that I didn't see. And so I, I went to him and said, hey, I want to start dating to get married. Do you think I'm ready? And he knew me more than anyone. And I said, do you think I'm ready? I'm trying to do this and I want that. And he gave me his blessing. And, and even when it came to marrying my wife, there's times where we were dating and I was just super transparent with things that, that we were good at, things that we failed at. And I would say, hey, man, if you think that this relationship isn't healthy for me, I, will, I, I love this girl and I have strong feelings for her. But I would literally break up because I don't want to be in something that's going to be damaging to me or her life in the future. I said, no, I'll keep going. You're crazy. I'm not going to tell you to break up with her. I was probably a little psychotic, but... I mean, even all the way up to marriage, I was like, I'm ready to marry. I want the green light for you, from you. And again, I'm not painting this picture because I want you guys to do that with me. I'm just giving an illustration that, that for me, that's been a, a, such a help in my life. Even now, I have mentors and accountability people that, are, that are, have been in this a lot longer than I have that, that helped lead me to where I go to for advice. And I trust their opinion. Y'all feel me? I trust their spirituality. Y'all dig that? And there's some people where I went to originally, I was like, they're crazy. <laughs> they, do not, they do not have this, the spiritual idea that I had in mind. And I stopped going to them. And so you have the freedom of choice to trust whoever you want. But you do got to trust somebody. So in Hebrews... Chapter 13, verse 17, just to, to end this idea on trust. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. I, I think that verse is so funny. <laughs> Give them to do with joy, and not sorrow. That would certainly not be your, for your benefit. And this, this verse, I just wanted to show you in scripture that Paul is saying these spiritual leaders are supposed to see the best in you, not the worst. The Bible consistently says that spiritual leaders are supposed to build you up, not tear you down. And I, I'm being honest. It's hard to find a spiritual leader that you can trust like that nowadays. But they're out there. And, and again, at this church, that's what I want to be for you guys. And I remember hearing a, a, on the radio one day a long time ago, ending up this point on this, this last story. There is this. Uh, this person that was from India, they became a Christian and they had an arranged marriage and they came over here to the, the States after they were married and they were talking to somebody. And you know, that idea is so foreign to us. I mean, having an arranged marriage since you were a, a kid, you like your parents planned it out for you. That's kind of, I, I'll be honest. I don't trust my parents to do that. <laughs> and, and here 
someone asked a friend, they made a friend and they said, man, weren't you, weren't you petrified at your parents choosing your, your future spouse instead of you? And the person simply responded, why would I not trust them? My parents love me and want the best for me. Why wouldn't I trust them? And it's just such a foreign concept to, to some of us here in the States. But it's like once we become parents, it's like what we like you have a different idea about it. And it, it's the same way. That's the way spiritual leadership is supposed to be. It's where you can openly trust without having to be afraid. And, and it, again, it's hard to find that, but we need that. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so finally, tricky truths, tricky truths. Truth can immediately be tainted by lies. Truth can immediately become false when it's mixed with a lie. The devil's tricks are the exact same all the way from Genesis when he tricked Eve in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, to where when he tempted Jesus in the desert to modern day today. This is probably the one, one of the most really scariest things about scripture. And I want to read you all this final verse in Matthew, these verses. And this is when Jesus was tempted after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. It says in Matthew chapter four, verse one through 11 says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord God, the Lord your God, and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels took care of Jesus. I wanted to share this whole uh, back and forth with you guys because this is probably the most important uh, scripture to starting this series. And that there's a couple things we need to look at. As one, the devil used scripture to try to manipulate and deceive Jesus. Think about that for a second. He used the word of God, the Bible that we trust in so much to deceive, to manipulate. Some of y'all might have had flashbacks to church offerings, right? <laughs> it, the word of God can be used a, as a sword and it can cut people up. The, word, the Bible is described as a, word, uh, as a sword, a double-edged sword, remember, in the book of Hebrews? And so that means that anyone holding that sword can, can harm you or defend you. And in this exchange, we see scripture used to attack Jesus and scripture used to defend against the devil. And if you do not know scripture well enough, you will be easily deceived. 
It's just, a, it's just a fact. You won't know whether or not you can trust a, a, a spiritual leader and whatever scripture they're telling you if you don't know the word of God yourself. I, I, I need the word of God. I don't know how many times I've been confused in church, how many times I've been confused by different spiritual leaders over the years to where they would say something and I felt weird about it. I felt uncomfortable and I didn't know why. And I took some days and some, some weeks to stew about it and to really think, where can I find this in scripture? Where can I find this in scripture? Where can I find this in scripture? And I'm telling you, for, for me, almost, I, I want to say 100% of the time, whether it took a couple days, whether it was right away, there was a moment where it was like, aha, this was right or this was wrong. But it's only because I found it in scripture. There's a time I had a, a, a pastor, not a uh, not the senior pastor, but uh, the lower level pastor at a church that I was serving at. And he had told me something. Uh, he had mentioned, well, it's my job. I, I'm, I have the prophetic gift. And so it's my job to correct the king. And that's why me and the senior pastor don't always get a, along because it just shows in scripture that, that prophets always are at war with the king. And he was referencing the senior pastor, the person in charge is the king. And I was kind of like scratching my head about it. It's like, well, I, yeah, I've, I do see that in scripture, but I don't feel like that's right. And it took me some days because I was like, man, this is a spiritual leader for me telling me something that I don't feel like is right. And I don't know how to, to see it. And I went to scripture and there, there's times, I, it took me days, all of a sudden I realized that there was times where the prophets were, were sought out by the king, that they weren't always at war with the king, that there, there was Elisha who, who always made Ahab super mad and angry. But then there was Elisha, spelled with the S-H, where the king always went to Elisha and was like, man, I need your help. Ask God for me. You're, you're the man. And so I was like, man, that, see, that was wrong. That's not always true. That's not always the case. And I went to the scripture that we just saw a second ago, talking about the spiritual leader in charge. To not make it difficult for him. I was like, and I just came to the conclusion, man, I'm, I'm going to just follow the person that's in charge. And if, if somebody else is contrary to that, then I, it doesn't matter because they're not the one in charge. It's not their vision. And it was such a hard thing for me to come to the conclusion of, but it was only because of scripture that I was able to find it. And when it comes to doctrinal issues, I mean, I think nowadays is the most, the peak of doctrinal issues in the church. There are so many different voices pointing this way and that way. And it can be confusing to find your place in it, to find out what you believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm just pleading with you guys. You, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Yes, you can have help and guiding from a spiritual leader, but what better way for, than for the Holy Spirit to lead you in Scripture? And when you have questions, you go to the spiritual leader that you have and seek out guidance. But when you got the Word of God and you have it right in front of you, how powerful is that? You know, 
I think that today, the times that we live in are the most sinful times that the world has ever seen. I think that sin is so accessible more than any other time in the world, in our history, it's more accessible to where it's literally in your pocket. It doesn't take much. You, you could just pull out your phone and look at an image and it's sinfulness right in front of you. You could, talk, you could gossip, you can slander somebody right on your phone. It's right there in your pocket. Think about that. It is so, it, it's, it's scary almost. But what gives me comfort is that we also live in a time where the word of God is more accessible than ever in the history of time. Ever. It's where you don't even have to buy it. You can just download an app and it's on your phone. That's, that is so comforting to know that in so many languages, in so many translations, you don't like that translation, how it says the instead of the? You could get a new translation. You could get a different one. It says the same thing, just a little bit. It, it just has your slang to it. You know, that, that comforts me. But what is unsettling is to know that even though the Word of God, the Bible, is the most purchased book in the world, I think it's probably the most unread book too. There's, you know, people in China that, that are not able to freely worship God. Do you know that they, in, they literally only have a page of the Bible and that their Bible studies is literally them. Uh, they, they hide the, that page, that page of scripture. If it's a page in Matthew, then they memorize it and they eat that scripture. <laughs> they literally eat the paper so they're not caught with it. And their job is to recite that page that they read when they have Bible study. That's crazy, right? And here we are laying in bed. And the first thing we do is either get on Instagram, get on Candy Crush, get on anything else. When the word of God is so accessible to us, people are ingesting paper on the other side of the world. Memorizing as much as they can because they're desperate for God. I think that we need a desperation to be birthed in us. And if we're to to cry out for any voice in our life, the number one voice that we need to hear is from God. And so what's so funny about that is that God's word is already here for us. We need to hear something from God. And it's like it's right there. You can hear something. You can find something. I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads. And before we move on to anything else, if you're here today and you realize that you haven't taken the word of God seriously yet, that maybe you've been in a place where you've taken uh, all these different belief systems and made a sandcastle of belief and religion, and you're ready today to put your faith alone in Jesus. If that's you, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. And so if you raise your hand or if you've already committed your heart, your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, you are the way. You're my only hope. You are the Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross for me. 
for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask for you to be the Lord of my life and the Savior of my soul. Help me to trust in your truth and your truth alone. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.